Clear Thinking Out Loud, written and narrated by Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge. Hi, I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge, and welcome to Using Tasks to Disrupt Problem Patterns, four types of therapeutic tasks to help clients do things differently. So Donald, who is a therapy client, was looking at me as though I'd just sprouted a third arm. Set an alarm at 2 a.m. every morning, he repeated, as if hoping to extract some new meaning from what I'd said. Well, you said you wake up feeling anxious every night anyway, I said. So what difference is it going to make? So I'm saying make an appointment with yourself to feel anxious at 2 a.m. Then you know it's coming rather than being surprised. And in that way, you start to control the problem pattern. So we'd established good enough rapport by this time that Donald agreed to this idea, although sceptically, it has to be said. But what was I trying to do? What was I trying to accomplish by asking Donald to do this particular um, therapeutic task, one which he couldn't see the therapy in? Not all therapy happens inside your practice. In fact, the real therapy happens outside in the real world. You may already be familiar with the idea of giving your clients homework to do between sessions, or tasking, setting behavioral um, projects for them. Uh, therapists like Milton Erickson and Jay Haley took this a step further, famously assigning behavioral tasks that could make a massive difference to their clients. Um, and your clients too. Many of our clients feel that their problems are outside of their conscious control and that how they feel causes troubling behaviours. And it's true to say that problem states, troublesome um, emotions and behaviours are maintained by the unconscious mind. You know, no one decides to have a panic attack consciously. Uh, no one thinks it's a good idea to blush. These problems are wheeled on by the unconscious mind. But just as emotions cause problem behaviours, problem behaviours also affect emotions. With an appropriate and in some cases absurd task, we can begin to disrupt problem patterns so that they no longer run so easily anymore. And if we help our clients change their behaviours, we can help them change how they feel. So here are four kinds of behavioural tasks you can give your clients to start some real change in their lives. So task number one, prescribe the symptom. So a colleague of mine once told me how she was trying to calm down her crying 12-year-old nephew who was inconsolable because a friend's visit he'd been looking forward to suddenly got cancelled. After he'd rejected offers of games and other fun distractions, she suddenly demanded that he be sad and keep crying for the next 15 minutes. Okay, So she even suggested he had to uh, throw things and really sob it out and she would time him for 15 minutes. Okay, The surprised caused by this bizarre assignment from his aunt stopped the tears abruptly as the boy burst out laughing. So now she's telling him to do what he's already doing and it's become a chore then it goes out of the realm of unconscious uh, uh, behaviour into something that he um, can control. And he only laughed harder when she scowled and scolded him for not finishing the cry for 15 minutes assignment. Okay. 
He was still a bit sad, of course, but once the tears ended, he was able to get his day back on track and use his unexpected free time for activities more positive and fun than crying. Now, that was a one-off situation rather than a persistent problem, like worrying or a bad habit, but it shows how effective prescribing the symptom, paradoxical intervention, as it's called, can be for people. By telling the person they have to do the problem behavior on purpose or consciously, we create a paradox, an uncontrollable compulsion becomes a chore they would rather avoid. Okay. Or like my colleague's nephew, they might just find the request so absurd it simply interrupts the pattern in the here and now. Talking of which, number two, interrupt the pattern of the problem. Now, you may have noticed that uh, problem behaviors can become rigid and fixed, almost ritualistic. Okay. Introducing a, uh, a new element can change the whole pattern of the problem and make it harder to maintain the problem. Okay. The different element can be uh, such variables as when the behavior occurs, where it occurs, who it occurs with, and how long it lasts. So for example, we might encourage our clients to actually continue their problem behavior for a while in order to take the pressure off. But by changing a key part of the problem pattern, we may eventually derail the whole issue. Okay. So for example, a smoker was told to continue with her smoking for a while, okay, with the implication that it's not going to be forever, presupposition for a while is in there, isn't it? But to keep her cigarettes in the garden shed and her lighter in her car, making keeping up the smoking habit more of a chore. So keep on smoking, but we're going to change this about it. Okay. And a couple whose relationship was in trouble because they fought all the time were told to keep right on arguing, keep on arguing, but to discuss only issues that had come up in the previous week. So no sort of... Uh, emotional archaeology, okay, just stuff that had come up in the last week. So in this way, they train themselves to contain their conflicts and make them shorter. Okay, so change some aspect of the pattern. Three, use metaphor. I once asked a client who had been dealing with a lot of complex problems to go down to the beach at Brighton, which is unfortunately full of pebbles and not sand, uh, after his session and throw pebbles into the sea. And that's, that, was, that was a task, it wasn't explained or anything. And he accepted the task. On his next visit, he told me that he'd spent a considerable time on the shore just uh, chucking pebble after pebble into the waves. I felt so light after that, he said, as if I'd hurled away all the things that had been bothering me. I never felt so free. Okay, so this is just some task I've given him. I hadn't explained it. A metaphorical task can indirectly show our clients a solution to their problem and also generally help loosen things enough to speed up progress. For instance, Milton Erickson asked a chronic alcoholic to go out to the botanical gardens and visit the cactus house. He was to stay there for at least an hour and do a lot of thinking. And that was it. That was the task. The man carried out his instructions and learned to respect those cacti profoundly. Not only did he stop drinking, as we know cacti can go without drink for an awful long time, but so did his wife, who had also been a heavy drinker. 
Number four, create an ordeal carefully. While treating a patient for insomnia, Ericsson found out that the man hated polishing the wooden floors of his house. That was a particular chore that was anathema to him. He, uh, Ericsson, set him the following task. If he was still awake 20 minutes after going to bed, he was to get up, go downstairs and polish all the wooden floors. If he became sleepy whilst uh, polishing the floors, he could return to bed, but he was to keep repeating the procedure if he again didn't fall asleep within 20 minutes. Okay. Now, not falling asleep became much harder than falling asleep. Okay. And the man very quickly became skilled at drifting off to sleep within minutes of going to bed in order to avoid polishing those floors. His unconscious motivation to sleep had become as strong as his conscious motivation. Okay, so this is what we're looking for. We're looking to build the unconscious motivation because we already know that clients have conscious motivation to change their problems. So sometimes the task given may be a little painful or something of an ordeal for the client. And the goal is to link the task's difficulty to the problem behavior and in turn make continuing the uh, problematic behavior difficult. And this can be not only more effective but more productive for the client if you set an ordeal task for something that really needs to get done but they, they seem to be avoiding such as tax returns or writing a dissertation. So in a way it's a win-win. If you're not sleeping you're writing the dissertation. Okay. In order, in order to not write the dissertation or to procrastinate with that a little bit, you can have a good night's sleep. So remember, set tasks wisely and carefully. Only use behavioral tasks when you're pretty sure they're likely to help and only after you've built a great level of rapport with your client. Otherwise, they might sort of back out of your therapy room if you come out with a task after the first 10 minutes. Um, now, how did Donald get on with his 2 a.m alarm call task. Okay, so you'll, you'll remember from the start of this that I said he was waking up during the night anyway and worrying and I set him the task of setting his alarm for 2 a.m. and to worry. A couple of weeks later he returned uh, to his next session with, with uh, me and regretfully informed me that he'd failed the task. Although he'd woken up promptly at 2 a.m. for the first few nights, Donald admitted he resented having the alarm blaring at him at 2 a.m. in the morning and then started to sleep through the alarm, not waking up until it was time to rise for work. Okay, so in failing my task, he had succeeded in overcoming his problem. I then asked him about the anxiety he'd been feeling during his nighttime wakings be before uh, coming to see me, and he looked surprised at this point. Now that you mention it, I felt so rested and energetic, I haven't really thought about those anxious uh, feelings for more than a week. I guess I succeeded after all. So what seemed to be worries in the middle of the night didn't seem such a big deal during the day when he was sleeping well now. So I hope you found that useful. I'm Mark Tyrrell of Uncommon Knowledge and if you'd like to subscribe to my email newsletter you can find it over at unk.com slash blog. That's unk.com slash blog. Mm -hmm.